0: to see you today, this fourth Sunday of Advent, 2019. If you would grab your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. If you need a Bible, we have some in the back I'd love for you to use during the service. And um, We're in our fourth week of Advent today, and it's been a real joy to hear from many of you uh, what this time in God's Word, to look at Jesus' arrival and specifically what His arrival as the light of the world means to us, and how it's been a blessing to your maturing in Christ. So I'm thankful for, for that testimony. The, this word Advent, we said a lot today, means arrival. It's the time of, of year that we celebrate the arrival of the Messiah, uh, Jesus Christ, and the birth, the incarnation of God the Son, this special time of Christmas. Um, Jesus coming as the light of the world not only brings us praise for His general illumination, the very lives we have and live, but for those those of us who are redeemed, praise for His special illumination, making it possible for undeserving guilty sinners to be saved by His sacrificial blood, trusting in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Last week we looked at the important need to live in the light and not the darkness, that we're saved to honor the Lord. We are empowered by Jesus to to live for His glory, that we are to put away our, our old ways of the flesh, and we are to make war with sin and ongoing struggles. We're to confess our sin and drag that those things into the light and expose them and be accountable and live to really honor and glorify God with our entire lives. In this final week of Advent today, we uh, will look at a text where Jesus himself says to those who belong to him, those who have died to self and have trusted their lives to Christ as Lord and Savior, those who are saved and now sanctified by God's grace the work of Christ in our place. He says to us who are His that we are sent out as the light of the world while He ongoingly intercedes for us the right hand of the Father. Church, I pray we'd lean in this morning and long to be moved and convicted by God's Word and that you would leave here not the same way you came in, that the living God is at work in this place as we study His Holy Word. We would come uh, expecting him to do his great work in each of our lives. At, at Christmas time we need to see and savor the amazing gift that God gave his only son Christ putting on flesh. But not only be recipients and 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 be grateful but that we would see that he's called us to take that light and to do something with it, to be bearers of the light. Jesus lights up our lives with salvation, but Christ's work doesn't stop there. His light is intended to go forward in and through us, the church, to a dead and lost world who is desperate for the truth and the grace of God in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we look at Jesus' words here in Matthew chapter 5 today and his famous Sermon on the Mount, the particular verses 14 through 16, I want you to see um, what the Lord has called us to regarding the light that he has given us. And I also want you to see a text that's very focused on, on us and our call. I really want to start this morning by seeing Jesus in this text. Let's read it together. Matthew five fourteen through 16 You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do we people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The Word of our Lord. First and foremost, I want to help make sure that we see Jesus in this passage. You might say, but Jesus isn't talking about himself here. He's talking about us and what we are to go and do and be. But Jesus does talk about himself here, and it's imperative we see it correctly. He says that you and I who are in Christ are the light of the world. But that light doesn't originate with us. It's not from us. No, he brings clarity to say that we are like a lamp stand to shine that light of Christ to the world. Realize a lamp can only hold the light. Jesus Christ himself is the light of the world. And you only shine the light if you are lit by him. Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He is the light. A candle that is not lit sits in the darkness. And it does not produce light by itself. It must first be lit if it's going to illuminate anything. We spent time studying this last week. All those who live in their sin, who do not submit to Christ as Lord, but are still the Lord of their own lives, they are dead in sin. They walk in spiritual darkness. While they are physically alive, they have no spiritual light. We spent time studying this over the last few weeks to understand these layers of what these passages mean when it talks about jesus coming as the light of the world all those who live in sin who do not submit to christ are in the darkness solomon says it well in proverbs 4 19 the way of the wicked is like deep darkness they do not know over what they stumble John says it this way in John 3.19, People love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Each one of us is desperate for the illumination of Christ, to be saved, to be brought into the light. Jesus is the only one making all things new by changing the way we see everything, by illuminating our lives. This is the good news of the gospel. It's the, the good news of a life that's been saved, of spiritual illumination, of salvation. Paul said it well in Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14, that God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Praise God that Jesus took our deepest darkness and forgave us all our sins. Only Jesus Christ can turn the light on in your life. By God's grace, for those of you who have not known salvation, not known Christ as Lord, by God's grace, you might be feeling the utter despair of stumbling in the darkness in your life lately. I would say that's a gift of God to see your despair in the darkness, to see your guilt because of sin. If this conviction is at work in you, then stop trying to navigate the darkness by your own power. You will never overcome it on your own. The candle cannot produce light on its own it must be lit run to him who is the light jesus christ let jesus illuminate you with spiritual life and lasting power some of you came here today not having ever truly experienced the light the life that is christ Maybe you have seen the light from a distance. Maybe even come to church or played out what you thought was the Christian life. But in the end, you were, all you were doing was standing in the afterglow and not truly consumed with the light. If this is you, I pray you see what Jesus has done on your behalf and that it is all-consuming and praiseworthy. It is good news to you that God the Son would do this, be born, live without sin, die in the place of guilty sinners, and rise again to conquer the grave, that God in His grace provided this gift, provided salvation in this way, that you would see your sin, repent of your sin, and trust your life to Jesus, and be born again, be saved, and be a child of the light, a light-bearer. And so there we transition to you who are saved. You belong to Christ. You've trusted your life to Jesus. You're not the Lord of your own life. You obey his word. You you are growing in your sanctification. Understand, church, you are light bearers. Jesus has this for us. He wants us to see this. And so, when we're wrestling with the reality of the darkness that's around, the reality of evil and sin and selfishness at work in our culture, in our families, in our job, and injustices in the world, there's that longing for a home. There's that longing for peace. There's that longing for no more suffering. And we just go, Lord, why not just take us out of the darkness completely? And, and we must slow to say, Why doesn't God remove us from the darkness altogether? Why not yet? And it is because God has called us to be the lampstand of the light of Christ so that those who are His elect who are not yet saved will be saved in His perfect time. Listen to Jesus' words again. His commissioning for us, the church. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people put uh, light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. He's called this to be a city on a hill. To shine the light of Christ into the darkness. Why? Because we have future family who God is still preparing to save and adopt into our eternal family. Think of The beloved that you know in our church and beyond our church the saved saints the brothers and sisters in christ there are more and when there are not when all those that god has ordained to save are saved then it will be time to go home in the meantime we're commissioned to shine bright his light in god's perfect plan it is not time to take us home to enjoy him forever and feast and worship him forever because the holy city is not yet filled with all those that God has ordained to join us there. Church, we rejoice that heaven is coming, but we are patient because we know it's not yet time. I love this verse in Proverbs. It it gives a special insight into this path we're on and the reality we look forward to. Proverbs 4.18, But the path of the righteous... Is like the light of the dawn, growingly brighter, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. Full day is coming, church. Holy heaven will be greater than we know how to dream or imagine, scripture tells us. Whatever you're thinking it's going to be like, it's going to be better. Our path for righteous living, for showing others the light of Christ, is the purpose of our days in the here and now until He comes to take us home. Until full day. We cannot be casual about our God-given call. We have to take this seriously. We are called to continue to labor and struggle in this dark world with the light of Christ with knowing that God will save and adopt all the elect family He prepares to bring home, according to His Word. In this, we curb that deep desire to just be done. And go to heaven. No, we embrace the privilege it is to wake up, the privilege it is to be commissioned another day to fight for His glory, to get to testify of His gospel among those whom He is saving. When you look into our lost culture and you hear all the stories about how sin is at work, do you despair? Do you despair as if this is the only life that you're living? There's a way that a, an unbeliever despairs at the fallout. Of mankind, at, at the at the diagnosis of of cancer, at the at the the hearing of injustice, of the loss of well deserved money, at the at the false accusations, at the abuse of of loved ones, we sometimes we despair as if we don't have an eternity ahead, a kingdom that we're a member of that is coming. We need not despair. We need righteously to hate sin and, and to push back the darkness and to be that light, but we, we don't let it consume us. We don't let it bench us. We need to see what it is. A world lost in darkness, desperate for the light of Christ. The light that we've now been entrusted with to testify of and to share. As we look at this passage here in Matthew 5, and hear Jesus give this famous sermon, He says, you are to be the salt and light the world needs, and I'm going to illuminate you and empower you. There's three realities I want us to climb into and highlight from this passage this morning. And and these are things that should play out. They're the realities about what this means when we're doing what he's called us to do. The first is to understand that salt and light expose decay and darkness. There is a reason why those who are not believers in Christ often pull away from your presence. Because you are very different than they are in Christ. Christ. You are full of light, which is the very opposite of darkness. This is not because you're better than them. It is because Jesus has taken hold of your life. The problem is, in the world we live in, our ongoing fight with our own flesh to appease the flesh, we often overvalue being accepted by everyone and sinfully can overvalue man's acceptance more than the responsibility and the call of God on our lives. Understand, you can't be bright in your testimony for Christ and at the same time blend into people's lives who live in the darkness. You can love them and be around them, but you must understand when Christ is shining bright in you, you will stand out like a sore thumb amidst those who are in the darkness. You must see that this is not a bad thing. This is God's design for us, the church. This is how He brings the truth and the testimony of life, of Christ, to bear compared to the lie of sin and lostness of living for the flesh that the world perpetuates. The Apostle Paul said it well in Ephesians chapter 5, 8 through 14. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part of the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Church, what you must see is that being a light bearer of Christ isn't happy-go-lucky, comforting when we do it right. It's exposing. It it creates a reality of, of difference and separation. It's meant to help people see the reality of being dead in sin and their desperate need for life in Christ. If they see no problem with their sin, condition, or guilt... Then they have no need for a solution or salvation. Right? The bad news of the death that we have because of sin must be present in our gospel testimony and witness, or we do not help them see their absolute need for a Savior in Jesus. In Christ, we are to do what is pleasing to the Lord and to take no part in unfruitful works of the darkness. We are to instead expose them. We expose them not with religion, not with moral mandates, but with the light of Christ, with that which is life and truth as compared to that which is selling a lie and deception. All too often we can be guilty of shying away from this because, again, we overvalue being accepted by others. We want to keep whatever is going in that situation, family, work, ministry, whatever. We want to keep it going. And this just cannot be. It is God's call in our lives to stand out as different, to bear light. Hear me clearly. We don't act or talk or live differently because we're better. That is religion. That is self-righteousness. And by it, no one is saved. We act and live differently by the grace of God. We stand for the things of God and the truths of God because the light of Christ is at work in and through us. We are only who we are because of Jesus. You have to constantly remind yourself of this when interacting with non-believers who live in the darkness. You have to constantly remind yourself that on your own, you are no different than them. You have to say, I'm only different because of Christ. It is His light that shines in and through me. It is Jesus that these people need to see to have life. But this is also why we do not shy from shining our light of Christ and living righteously. It is imperative we do not blend in. Because when we do, the light gets dimmed, the gospel testimony gets tucked in the corner, in our effort for friendship, in the modern man-made idea of peacemaking, or this thing that we kind of throw a lasso around. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to eventually get to it. In the meantime, I'm going to look a lot like them. Salt and Light's purpose is to expose darkness. This will make our journey hard, it will make us be seen as odd and different. But it is why God wakes us up every day and sends us forth. For his eternal glory and for their eternal good. Number two, salt and light bring joy to people. Uh, Salt is not just a preservative. It is also a seasoning. It is a flavor enhancer. So much so that it's one of the two dominant seasonings. Of all the seasonings that are on just about every table, there are two. That by our culture we have made very normal. Go into other cultures, you'll see different seasonings. In our culture, salt and pepper. Pepper is just one of the many seasonings, but it gets to have one of the two prestigious primary seats. Salt's a flavor enhancer. I I love salt. Um, My wife says I love it too much. So you pray for me in that. I, I love food. I. I love good food, and so when food can get a little better with some salt, I like to salt it. There's a dual effect when Christians are actively light bearers. The first is the beauty that you show in your good deeds. The light you shine into the darkness can and does cause pushback. This is true, which often equals very real persecution. Separation, loss of friendships, job promotion, strife in your family. But there is also a joy that comes with the active work of the, of the Lord in you as a light bearer. It often means that you're the one that often makes the circle you're in better. The, you are in Christ as a light bearer, the joy of the particular group that you run in um the The hope um, you you are the stability of your neighborhood. You are the selfless member of your family. You are the go-to person for help or counsel in the workplace. These are evidences of of the good that comes with casting the light. Jesus says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And in this God-ordained illustration comes a really neat clarity here about this facet of what it, light-bearing does in, in, in what God intends it to do. Rural communities like the one he was in, in the day that this was spoken, uh, knew real darkness at night. We live in the ninth biggest city in California, the 52nd biggest city in the United States. We live in a big city. Whether you like to admit it or not, it's big. And there's lots of lights. There's lots of of production and light. And unless you've lived out in the plains of other parts of the country, we don't really necessarily know what deep darkness is all around in the dead of night. I remember uh, one particular occasion this being very poignant to me. I was on my Harley coming back from Las Vegas and ministering with our chapter out there in our motorcycle club um, and getting some work done on my bike. And so I was uniquely coming back alone. Not, not very often am I doing that, but just enjoying a, a, a late evening ride in the summer desert. And after I got off the 15, it has light and get into the 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 plains of the Mojave Desert. um, I just found myself in pitch black. And uh, the desert night. Until as I approached the backside of the Tehachapi Mountains, I came over a little ridge, and all of a sudden before me was just a sea of light in the distance. And it was only in that moment that I had a a sudden feeling of longing I didn't realize it was there. The, the, the lights of the civilization was evidence of life in the midst of darkness. The seclusion that I was feeling in the dark that I didn't even realize I was feeling came with clarity all of a sudden in that longing for the light and people. I was captured with, with a joy and an anticipation Created to get there. And this is the work that God does in His people as He's giving them eyes to see and ears to hear. They begin to see the reality of their longing, of their desperation in the darkness and the good news of that light of Christ. People don't put that light under a a basket or to put it on a stand so that it lights up the whole house. In verse 16, Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The word good here in the Greek is one of two common uses. One, agathos, which is good in quality, and the other is kalos, which means beautiful. The word used here by Christ is cloths, which is beautiful to see your beautiful works. When people see your deeds, do they see the beauty of Christ? Do they say amazing? Not because of you, but because of Christ in you. Church, there are, there is, a feast that we've come to know in life with God, a satisfaction found only in Him that's above everything else, a joy that doesn't compare to anything else in our lives, His selfless love at work. And the question is, are we hoarding that? Are we keeping that to ourselves? Or are we longing to share it, to expose others to it? Jesus is pleading with us in this passage. Don't put your light under a basket. Let it shine out for others to see. It will do the good work of exposing the darkness and showing the separation that is real, that is needed for them to see, to repent. But it also shows the beauty of Christ, the the good joy that it is to belong to Christ, to have real hope and real love. Now, we, we in our flesh, we struggle with this. We, we find ways to say, All right, Pastor, I agree. It's good. And then we find ways to not go live it out. We ignore Jesus' command all too often to shine His light bright. And we, find, we can find ourselves putting it away for the sake of being politically Correct. Or to appease the call of our society to keep our Christian faith to ourselves. Those who are younger in our society are growing up in a radically uh, intolerant culture. It's unique because the culture, maybe more extremely than ever, is selling tolerance, it's demanding tolerance. Of just about anything. It's demanding it from others, but it refuses to tolerate Christ light and Christ light bearers who shine his righteous, God honoring light in the darkness. And we can become guilty of. Bending to that and, and kind of letting that letting those rules play in keeping our mouths shut or pulling back from certain circles to in an effort just to kind of make peace maybe or or, or to not have the drama But we need not be surprised we need not be surprised that Christians uniquely are singled out there 's this tolerance for a wide variety of religions and other faiths, but for some reason, Christianity in particular is the one that's not okay. That needs to not be like offensive to us in some way. We're like, come on, where's the justice? Like, you know, like we long for this society where that's somehow righted. No, no, why? Why, why do we not, why are we not surprised by that? Because Jesus Himself said, they're going to hate you because they hate me. Jesus, the one true God, that it is appropriate that Christianity in particular is the one that singled out. Why? Because Jesus is the only way to God. Everything else is false. Everything else is demon. Everything else is man made. Everything else is a lie. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father. If you have contention with that, you don't have contention with me. You have contention with Christ himself who declared that. There is no coexistence that includes the cross of Christ. Because the the center point of the Christian faith, Jesus himself says, I'm the only way. Everything else can coexist as false And so when Christianity is singled out, when the hatred is for Christians uniquely, church, we're not surprised by this. Jesus himself told us this is coming. It is the reality of the light and the reality that those in the darkness hate the light. The truth, the the command to obedience to the one true God instead of appeasing all the wishes and ways of man to make it their way, to define their own road. The person who says I'm going to find my own road to God at the end of the day and I say this with all love has to see the arrogance of that. That the created would tell the creator here's how I'm going to have harmony with you or eternity. That's arrogance. You've got to see that. It's lostness at work. It's a denial of the truth of scripture of the clarity of God's word. We need not Be surprised at this reality. We must see that by throwing, putting off the light bearing in order to appease the culture, we're doing the very opposite of what the Lord's called us to. I'll conclude this point saying this way. At the end of the day, who are you listening to? Are you appeasing what the culture is saying you should do to make things right and happy and whatever? Or are you listening to Jesus, your Lord? And the very reason why he woke you up today. To bear light. We need not tuck it under a basket. We need to love them and we do that by loving them in truth. Number two, we must not hunker down and remain only in the company of the church. But we need to reach out to those that God puts around us in our neighborhood, our city, our workplace. So that the light is among the lost. The danger for you and I who are in the church is we learn to really love our blood-bought brothers and sisters in the church. And this is a good and right thing. You are meant to really love your blood-bought brothers and sisters in church. The saved ones. And and I hear it from you all the time. We know family like we've never known family among our true blood-bought family. It's true. Scripture would go so far to say that the blood-bought family is of greater importance and lasting nature for our heart's affection than our own blood family. That's another anti-cultural thing that would just be balked at left and right. And as we talked about last week, our closest relationships should be equally yoked with Christians who are truly pursuing Christ and who will love us enough to reorient us to Christ. Your most intimate relationship, your closest relationships, should be equally yoked with other believers in that way. This is true. That said, we can't stay there only. We are equipped in the body. We walk intimately with the body to not then only be of the body, but to be among the lost so we can be lights to the the world that God's put us in. That we would love and serve them, not for what we get out of the relationship, but for what we have to offer. Some of you, as we're climbing into this, are likely saying, and I've heard it over the years. Pastor, I just feel ill equipped to testify, to share, to be bold in my faith. And you have to remember you are the light holder, you're the candle. Jesus is the light. It is not your job to save anybody. Salvation belongs to the Lord, says Scripture. Our job is to testify the truth in Christ. Do you remember what God told Moses? Very, very specifically, in and out, Exodus 4 10 through 12. Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Moses being called to be this most historic, most grand mouthpiece in what would become one of the most important moments in all of human history. And he's going, even since we've been talking, I'm still stuttering. I, me? And the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf? or seen, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall speak. When we make our testimony about us, or about our ability, we've made it about the wrong thing. It's meant to be about Christ, And his work, a testimony about Christ and his work, and man's desperate need for Christ. (laughs) And what God does with that's up to him. But we need to be bold in sharing that testimony. And for what ultimate purpose do we bear the light? Well, Jesus says very clearly here in verse 16: let your light shine before men, that they see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We do it for God's glory, that he would be magnified. The ultimate reason why we're called to be light bearers is the worship of God, that more would know and praise him with their lives. The main goal of this church, this historic 130 year, our goal is to, we exist to glorify God through lives that are being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. To worship Him, to know Him, enjoy Him, worship Him. So our testimony, our evangelism, our missions, it exists because in many still worship of God doesn't. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. What is the treasure Paul is speaking about? Well, let's look at the fuller context. Look look at verse 4 with me. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 7. In their case, the little g God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The treasure is the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Paul says we have that treasure, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. We have that in jars of clay. Jars of clay is a reference to us. We're the jars of clay as compared to the treasure that we contain, testify about. We're clay. We're not gold. The gospel is the gold we're clay, we're not not silver the news of the incarnation of Christ and the glory of Christ is the silver we're not bronze, the work and the power and the glory of God is the bronze we're clay and I say all that to say because if you're feeling average if you're feeling ill-equipped if you're feeling not very fit testify the gospel treasure I would say according to scripture you're perfect you're ready you're ready Paul, Paul wants us to realize we're clay pots. That you don't need to graduate to gold or silver or crystal to be ready. He wants us to realize that from our from the most sophisticated to, to, to the most average, we're clay pots. When it comes to containing and sharing the gospel. The treasure is so valuable and powerful that any thought of its container is foolish. Church, let us see it's our utter privilege to be light bearers. The importance of our call is to shine bright. The reality of our suffering and persecution and the hardships we go through is that they would see the treasure. And savor who is God. And see that it's His power at work, not our own. Not look at what I've done, look at what I've accomplished. No, look at Jesus. Look at what God's done to save me and sanctify me. Look, look at what God's doing in the church to mature us and grow us. And so I just ask you this morning, are you the light of the world? If you are, or if you're going to be, you must first be lit by Christ Christ to be illuminated by the truth of the gospel, to have the light of Christ. This is no small thing. This will utterly change your life, your priorities, your thinking, your things you want, things you do. You're born again. You're Jesus is your Savior and your Lord. Better than that, Jesus is your life. And if He's not... And maybe what you have is, maybe you've witnessed Christianity by coming to church or reading the Bible. But if the reality of God the Son putting on flesh, living without sin, dying a torturous death, resurrecting from the grave finally is not just history to you, but it's personal for you. That was done for you so that you could be saved, that you see the guilt of your sin. God's given you eyes to see and ears to hear and, and you're overwhelmed at the good news of the gospel so you trust your life to Jesus. You die to yourself of being on the throne yourself and now He is your Lord. That's salvation. That's change. It's transformation. Not religion. Not religion that you would repent and believe and be saved, you must first be lit, illuminated. And if you are lit, here's the question, church, if you are saved, is the evidence of your salvation at work in your testimony in the light of Christ? Meaning you stand out in the room full of unsafe sinners who are lost in the darkness. Your priorities, your convictions, your ways, they don't look like theirs. They look like Christ. Is there beauty in your deeds so much so that they don't see you, they see Jesus? Are you serving them sacrificially? Are you outdoing them and showing honor or are you just beating them over the head with religion and moral self-righteousness? Do you show up to your holiday gatherings and the only way Christ comes out of you is when you get on your kind of moral high horse? But then the rest of the time, your, your desire is just to be served and to have, have it all your way and to... to, to to relax and to get fed. and no, no, Christ in you means you come to serve. You come to outdo someone who doesn't, isn't worthy of honor and showing them honor. You, you want to do the, the, the mundane task. Because the holiday is not meant to serve you. The holiday is an opportunity to illuminate Christ. And why is that your motivation? Because Christ in you is your satisfaction. Not your desperate need for physical rest or good food. There's just a different way we go about it and about our time and our days. And and just people see that difference. They see the different tick, the different drum beat. And there is this satisfaction in you, this joy in you that's different because of Christ, not because you've put on really faithful religion. Jesus calls us to shine bright among the lost. How are you actively doing that? Where is that in your schedule? I had a really busy week. I had a busy day with my family in the middle of the day yesterday. I scheduled a couple hours to go be around people who are just dead in sin. In an effort to be a light. Ready to get beat up and rolled out. But hoping for an opportunity for the light to shine in such a way that dead hearts are transformed to life. I, I, I started that practice because I saw how even pastors are guilty of saying, well, my whole call is the church. And that's true. Much of the majority of my time is you. But I too am called to be a light bearer among the lost. So actively, Jennifer and I looked years ago for ways that I could be among lost people purposefully, actively, actively. So I share, that, I share that with you not to be like, hey, come give me some pats on the back. I share that with you because I'm, this is for me too. And, and, and I want to not just be calling us to this, but living this too. Uh, and if you're struggling with any of it, can I just remind you, He's the light. You need, you need to seek Him to grow in this. To pursue... These things, only out of conviction or moral, religious duty, you won't bring them Jesus. You're going to bring them something else. That doesn't save or free. It it clouds the truth. No, no, no. You need to be abiding in Christ and be enjoying the Lord in your life and be being discipled and being matured in faith if you're going to really glow in Christ. Moses coming off the mountain the radiance of God after 40 days and 40 nights that wasn't it was the fruit of time with God and so I just ask you plainly are you really getting good time with God not, not that here's my couple quick prayers of the day here's where I'm slamming some scripture time and I'm just staying really busy with a whole bunch of other stuff no, you you getting quality time with the Lord and His word being still turning off all the noise that glow of time with your God and His Word and prayer. It's real. It's not something you hang your hat on. It's happening in your life. Are you being a disciple? Are you humbling yourself to put yourself around men and women who will help you grow? Not, not give you what you want, but, but take you where you need to go. To seek Him, walk with Him, talk with Him. To be illuminated ongoingly, growingly by Him. The purpose of our lives, the purpose of our salvation, the purpose of our exile in this time and place is not for us. Anytime you're making it about you and what's good for you, that's idolatry. It's for Him. For His glory and for their good. What I get out of the deal is Jesus. Have the rest. Amen? Do you wake up each day thankful that God ordained that you would live another day to get to testify about Him? If we're not doing that, why Why are we continuing to do this? Let me read it one more time. And then we'll worship Him. As I do, I just want to pray This has to change you. You can't understand this but then do nothing different. No, it needs to change some things. It needs to bring conviction and repentance and maturity. To hear Jesus call, our leaders call on our lives, the saved saints, that we would be light bearers. That this next week and Christmas and all the rest of this is way less about what we're looking to get and way more of an opportunity to shine bright this light that we've come to know. Jesus says, you are a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house, in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this time. The work you're doing in our lives as a church is is a a wonderful blessing. the the provision of your word is a great thing we're we're thankful for the ways in which you are teaching molding and convicting and sanctifying us we thank you in this season for the arrival of the light of the world and 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 for the lives you've given us but more than that the special illumination of salvation of and then therefore of sanctification of, of the power of Christ to push back the darkness and to walk in the light and grow in the light, and now the realization that that doesn't just end with us, but it's a call to bear that light for the good of, of those that you would save. That every day you give us, even in the hours to follow today, and tomorrow if you wake us up for another, would be a day to shine bright the light of Christ in those you put in our path. I pray for salvation for those who are listening to this today or later on the podcast. New life, Christ, would be their Savior, that they would die to themselves and trust their lives to Jesus and be saved. Oh, we have so much to rejoice in in what you've done in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so we continue our worship now in song and in response. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.